1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Bud Light Studios. Bud Light. Easy to Sunday. KKSF hd One. Profield Denver Folder. Hey Denver, it's Nate Crackman. Christopher Dempsey here. This is Vic Lombardi. Hey Scott You got Denver sports talk on the station where you get it all. This is Altitude Sports Radio. Denver, Colorado. Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. It's Krekman and Lindahl. Uh, NFL.com slash NFL Network. NFL media, if you will. That whole conglomerate. The league. If you will. The shield. Um, last week had the Broncos again right at that average spot of 17. This week, after a victory over the Cleveland Browns, a three-score win by the Broncos, they surge – all the way to 15. 15. See, I, I kind of, you know what you did to me? You did the play-by-play thing right there.
0: You used the word surge with great emotion. I did. And God bless him. I loved Larry Zimmer back in the day, but he'd be mm-hmm. like, I gots around the corner and Salam's going to go. He's tackled. That's a four-yard gain. <laughs> no. Your voice told me we were going to the house. Surge in that tone of voice, they made me think top 10, pal. We Not gotta, two
1: jumps. We got to get you guys excited
0: holy cow two that's it two spots what's
1: your deal league that was like kevin coogler russ is gone no he's gone from behind russ is gonna go to the 10 <laughs> hey, guys, on, high, high. let's go pizza 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 pizza, pizza. Five, two, ten, ten. second and Oh, oh he's no. gone down the sideline Russell Wilson chased out of bounds at the
0: six by Juan Thornhill. (laughs) I thought he was gone, Kev. Oh, you did? Uh
1: Uh-oh. Here's Nate and Andy, driven by Colorado Off-Road. Not so gone. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, uh, Let's not use that phrase right now. Not so gone. Let's hope not by the end of the show. (laughs) I'm going to try to hold up. Doing my damnedest here, Okay. Welcome in. It's it's the Correctman and Lindall show. It's Wednesday. We have we have so much to do today on this radio show. You better tell your voice that we are <laughs> loaded, loaded with the content today. Nick Cosmiter. previewing Broncos, Texans. Evan Washburn. He'll be he'll be scanning the sidelines. He's going to join us this hour here on the Correctman and Lindall show. Three twenty. Evan Washburn. I mean. Top 10 TV hair, Andy? Yeah. It's good. That is just... Is there TV hair and movie hair? What are all the categories? Well, I've only ever seen Evan on TV, but if I'm sure if he did a movie, he would also have great movie hair good, great as well. movie hair. Um, Tom Selleck, see, that was TV. Selleck did some movies too, though. Pierce Brosnan. Wonderful movie hair.
0: See, I think Washburn could stand up to him. I think he could as well. I think if they just had to st-
1: just stand there and... Look handsome. Evan Washburn. I'll I'll put him right up there next to Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn, his he Brady Quinn has Lego guy hair. It <laughs> it looks like that's just you could lift it off at the end of his shift and just place it down and it would make a clunk.
0: It's a helmet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. There is no no wind tunnel that could move that thing for Brady Quinn. I, I don't know what he puts in it, but I marvel at it every time that it's on screen. I don't okay. hear a word that he says. I just stare at his hair. I guess I don't see a lot of Brady Quinn. Oh, yeah. Fox noon kickoff. All that. Sure. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you, you spend your Saturdays in Boulder. You no, miss out I, on I've all this fun stuff. No, I've gone on this
0: before, and I shouldn't because the industry is going to want to kick me in the face. But
1: I'm not. I don't need the pregame show. I need what you get uncomfortable when Urban Meyer is on your I television. Just, well, yeah, trust me. That's another one when Urban Meyer is on that show, and I'm just like, how, how? Nothing that he says is worthwhile enough to be like, we'll just we'll overlook that whole. Kicking the kicker and kicking the kicker and weird
0: things inside of whatever stupid doing
1: in his steakhouse and all the framed photos and his wife saying, buddy needs a good time out. Like, whoa, we could have given Urban Meyer a couple of years off out of our life. And uh, no, Fox was just like, let's get him right back in there. Okay, it's good to have loyalties, I guess. I suppose I'm just
0: saying I don't, you know.
1: Nine seven zero says Evan looks like Max Hedrum. <laughs> God, does he? I don't think does he. It's it's the blonde. That's what it okay. is. It's I've always thought Evan Washburn had kind of a Zach Morris thing going on a little bit. Excellent sideline reporter. We're very much looking forward to have him having oh, him he's on the always show. Always impeccably dressed. You very very well dressed. Yes, he's he's an absolute pro. He'll be there in Houston. For Broncos Texans this week in a game the Broncos must have Jimmy Johnson. Good call, Ben. Jimmy Johnson. How do you
0: ever see his hair? All you see is that ring. It's like <laughs> his shield of the, the American. Well, who is it? Captain America with the shield.
1: Hey, look at my ring. You got you to gotta look around that sometimes. You got to see what you want to see. And I guess Ben and I are both appreciators of good TV hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Vic Lombardi, let's let's talk local television. hair. Are you hair. saying
0: that because you mean it? No, Vic brings it. Or is it. it a company? Did we get a? Did we get a? <laughs> did we an get email? an email? Yeah,
1: it's actually it's a quota. It's a part of when your contract gets extended here at Altitude at KSE, you have to compliment Vic Lombardi's hair um, at least once a month uh, on the. air. What
0: if? If we were to do, like, the old bracket thing, the March Madness hair bracket mm-hmm. for Altitude TV, Marlowe and Lombardi would be at the end, right? Very, We'd have to put them as number one seeds on each one side seeds. of the bracket.
1: Yes, that's that's excellent television hair on both of their parts. Yes. Both of them always just impeccably dressed. Those are the guys, like, you think of. When you, when you think of a TV guy, I think of Chris Marlowe and I think of Vic Lombardi. They, right, they yeah. wear it right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: Chris has got the whole Hollywood thing going. Good as
1: on. it gets. He also, well, movie that's, hair, a tough, that's a tough seed to top. Movie with. hair and TV hair. Yeah. He's got it all going on. Yeah. You can't top Chris Marlowe. His is
0: just simply top shelf entertainment
1: hair. You know, he's going to be on the call tonight. Little Nuggets Rockets in our life over there hey. at Ball Arena. Jeff Green getting his ring tonight. Speaking of big rings, Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff, Coming to town, and, and he'll get his ring, even though Jokic said he didn't want to give it to him. I think, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Hey, man, you left. You're out. <laughs>
0: <My> <laughs> baby! Jeff can never be out. Love Uncle Bruce Jeff. Bruce Brown can never be out. Yeah. Oddly, mm. no one says the same thing about Bones. He's out. Um, yeah, I'm really excited that the NBA decided that we'd have to get another look at the Rockets and the Clippers in the next
1: week. That Thank you for that. That's, that's great. Who so. complains about a game against the Clippers? I don't want to watch it again. The Nuggets always beat the Clippers. It's fun. That's cool. You they they beat a lot of teams, though. You don't appreciate the Denver Nuggets and their Clippers. I like to get a, look at a few other teams in the early going if that's all right. You want to you, you're they need to play an NBA opponent. Who do you want them to play? You know we haven't seen Brooklyn yet. Should they schedule a G League opponent? Hey, wins a win. (laughs) Brooklyn, you need some Mikhail Bridges in your life. Go college. I'm just, I'm just grabbing teams we haven't seen yet. (laughs) I'm clamoring for more Nets basketball. Maybe if they play Portland, let's go see Portland again. You want to, you want to go see, you need, you need some Portland. You need some some more Portland. Scoot Henderson in your life. Wimpen was fun the other night. Let's grab that. Let's let's bring that back for another one. Well, see. They weren't in group West B. That's the problem. You got to, you got to play the group West B matchups here uh, with the, if you didn't, if you didn't see it by the way december 6th december 8th next week wednesday and friday the nuggets will have to play houston and the clippers as a part of the you know because denver didn't advance in the losers bracket to the qfs of the ist because they did not advance they have to play the other losers um so do they have to have the court out I don't think so. Are we just sticking regular court now? Is the court done? It's a great question. I'm pretty sure once you're eliminated, they burn the court. Are they going to keep the court for next year? Or like
0: the losing team in the AFC and NFC championship, mm. will kids in some other country be playing on a Nuggets IST court in the near future?
1: Yeah, that's a good call. Send it to like put it or on Puerto Rico in your development facility or whatever. Give it to uh like put it on like a like an aircraft carrier. Yeah. And you can play like a huh? like there a random November college basketball every, game on it.
0: Every <laughs> No, give it to the servicemen and women. Here, Here you go. That Here's too. court. Those things are massive. I'm sure there's a place to stash it. Here's mm-hmm. your
1: new court. Mm-hmm. We'll get a new one next year. No, this is um, the, the air, so the Mountain West, they play the, their tournament at the, the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, but they don't play on UNLV's court. You know, UNLV's got the whole, you know, Vegas skyline thing and Jerry Tarkanian court, that whole thing. Well, when the Mountain West has the tournament there, they have their own court that they bring in. They bought it a number of years ago. There was like, a, like an aircraft carrier challenge. Do you remember yes, this? I think do. it was like Duke and Michigan State and we were maybe joking with a ball going in the ocean sure, or whatever, you know. Sure. And so Mountain West needed a court. So they bought that? They just bought that thing.
0: You know, that, that's the story. That's the origin story of the Broncos' original uniforms. They bought them from the Copper Bowl. Those that's ugly con- brown things? No way. Yeah, they were the Copper Bowls home and aways, and they just bought them. That's fantastic. No, it wasn't. Did you see him? <laughs> but you need a uniform. Pick a different bowl. You couldn't have gone the Gator Bowl? It was brown and yellow.
1: Um, So was their level of play. By the way, in-season tournament last night? Sure, you were all up in that oh thing. Oh, my God, it was good. Oh, my, my NBA cup runneth over. Your, your feels Oof. were... That Warriors-Kings game? Was it good? It was epic. Kings okay, had to. Kings had to lose that game by fewer than 11 points. They came back and won that thing straight up. Look at them. I mean, it was it was IST drama sure. all over the place in order to be able to advance. Do you see what the Celtics had to do last night? No. They had to beat the Bulls by at least 23. And to be able to advance, 124-97 your final took care of business, yeah! ran up the score, kept their starters in the game to make sure they could get the victory in advance in the IST. Good for them. So good. Good for them. Good for the league. Hell yeah. Good for you, but <laughs> I was, whew, that was good stuff. So now we got, all right, so this is what we got. We got, here's what's crazy. Lakers are the one seed. In the West, so we're gonna have a Lakers Suns matchup. Well, at least they'll get to win something. Plus, Kings Pelicans. That was well done. Uh, in the West, out East, your top seed, the Milwaukee Bucks, they'll take on the Knicks, who are the wild card team in the East, uh, and then Pacers Celtics. So, Bruce Brown. Won't win an NBA championship this year, but he could get himself an NBA cup as a member of the Indiana Pacers. Good. Yes. Good for Bruce. Should we make, since Brucey's on the Pacers, should we make the Indiana Pacers our IST team going forward now? Because the Nuggets, they, they get the relegation matchups of having to take on the Rockets and the Clippers again but in the meantime, we can be all over Bruce Brown to win this. Here's thing. what
0: I'm disappointed about. I'm disappointed now they're not playing series in this tournament mm-hmm. because then Brian Windhorst can't call the Pacers beating the Lakers one of the closest sweeps in IST history. Well, if they one lose. One of the most competitive sweeps.
1: <laughs> if, we get a, if we get a Pacers-Lakers final. And the Pacers <laughs> sweep them. If they did or, or beat them in one sure sweep them in one It's the most competitive <laughs> competitive loss in a championship game I've ever witnessed. You know what it's going to be. It's going to be the most competitive in-season tournament final game that Brian Windhorst has ever yes. seen. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well,
0: he won't be wrong. <laughs> Technically,
1: we can't fault him there. No hyperbole when it's only happened once. We got a bracket, by the way. They made a bracket for the IST. Good for them. Hell yes. Love a bracket. Yeah, we got the West and the East and then the championship. December 9th, we'll be in Vegas for the championship. Go Pacers. That's what I'm talking about. Go beat the Lakers like 165 to 163 because that's pretty much what they do in every single game that they play. I love
0: that the Knicks – you know what I'd love? If the Knicks and Lakers ended up in the final, it would
1: be amazing.
0: Everybody <laughs> can – and then we'll get it overhyped, and then neither
1: team is heard from post-Christmas again. That would warm my cold, dead heart. Andy, I don't think it's humanly possible to hype an IST final enough. But I see I see If it were point. Knicks and Lakers, they'd give you a good go at it. Evan Washburn, CBS CBS sideline man he's gonna join us previewing broncos texans that's next
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
1: Preckman and Lindahl presented by Colorado off-road Colorado grown Colorado owned Colorado off-road online at cooffroad.com altitude sports radio 92.5. Well, it is unique. He's playing well. When you watch him play, you feel like you're watching someone who's savvy and experienced. You don't feel like necessarily you're watching someone in their first year. He's confident. It's a dangerous team that way. You've you got young players, and I've been through it before with, you know, a draft where they have the young receiver tank who's playing well, the defensive end from Alabama is playing well, the quarterback, you know, and they're having success, and they're 6-5. And, and And so you definitely see the explosives on tape. They've been down late and come back. There's a confidence they have that certainly
2: is contagious, and you can see that on film, but he's been impressive.
1: That was Sean Payton today talking about C.J. Stroud. Ten touchdowns over his last four games, and the Texans are 3-1 and in that stretch. Broncos will be tasked with slowing down Stroud coming up on Sunday in Houston. Joining us right now, he'll be manning the sidelines for CBS, working with Ian Eagle and Charles Davis. He is sideline reporter extraordinaire Evan Washburn of CBS. Evan, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here on the program, Evan, the success of CJ Stroud and in general, the success of the Houston Texans, a team, I mean, I think their win total was like three and a half at the start of the season. And here they are at six and five, as you have worked your prep of this game, what is jumping out to you? How are the Texans and Stroud so good? So quickly.
2: Well, I think it starts with D'Amico Ryans and his ability to come in in year one, much like what we've seen from Sean Payton here the last month and some change is kind of setting a tone, a culture. I know that's a buzzword. It is a cliche, but there is some reality to it. And having met with D'Amico a few weeks ago ahead of a game against Tampa and, and seeing just kind of his his approach and former player, young guy, ton of energy and, and Dudes have bought in, and you can see that. This is not the most talented roster right now, but they're playing like one of the best teams in the AFC. And then, look, it's the reality of hitting on the quarterback position and C.J. Stroud exceeding all expectations for what a guy can do in year one. And then the, the last point I would make would be his coordinator, Bobby it uh, Deserves a ton of credit. He's not a household name. I think he will be after this season, but he comes from that Shanahan world, and he's proven to be the perfect designer of an offense for cj stroud and for the pieces he has around him
0: evan first and foremost how weird has it been for you i felt like during the manning era you were pretty much renting a house downtown and now it feels like we've seen you once since he retired how weird has it been not to visit denver as much
2: i would use the word disappointing i love your town i've got family there and it was often an excuse to extend a weekend maybe a day or two after a sunday afternoon or evening game and Just haven't had that opportunity, but it it does feel like uh, at least for the back half of this season that that might change, which I would love.
1: Evan Washburn getting ready for this matchup. Okay. Then you got the Broncos who've just won five games in a row and they're now six and five. They're winning the turnover margin week after week. And Sean Payton is getting an efficient, if not toned down version of Russell Wilson. What has jumped out to you about the job that Payton has done here in Denver?
2: Not losing this team after a 1-5 start and then obviously that that uh, incident, if you want to call it that, in Miami where, where you, you allow 70 points. I mean, a lot of teams, I don't want to say would fold because these are pros and they recognize every time they go out there, they're putting their name and their bank account in a lot of ways on the line. But just how he's been able to keep this group together and now they feel like – an us-against-the-world type of team. And in a year, and a season of defense, they've found the magic elixir, at least over the course of this five-game stretch, to be able to take the ball away. And you touched on it. This year, more than ever, look, turnover margin has always been probably the most important stat, but it feels like this season, it is the stat. And if you can win that, your odds increase immensely. And they've been able to do that. And I think, if nothing else, they have a belief, and they, they find themselves in a situation that you guys know they haven't been in as an organization as the calendar turns to December with a winning record and playing some playoff-caliber meaningful football.
0: You know, it's funny because we hear from the fans in Denver a lot of the time, and for the most part, I haven't disagreed with them, that this may not be sustainable, right? They're, they're not throwing for a lot of yards. As you said, they're leaning on the defense. But you've seen a lot of teams, You you travel and see this league, You mentioned it. This is a different year, Evan. Could this be more sustainable than maybe fans are used to because of the way the league seems to be playing this year?
2: The takeaways might not be sustainable, but the AFC is completely up for grabs. So winning ugly, to use that term, or engineering victory, to use a Mike Tomlin term, if you're going to do it, this is the year to do it. I think Baltimore has separated themselves, but they are flawed in ways as well. They have a tough time closing out opponents. They've had some head-scratching fourth quarters. Kansas City, as you guys well know, is beatable. And while I wouldn't doubt Patrick Mahomes at any point, I think that this is not the team that he's had in in previous years. So all that to say, the way you win games this year can be different than the more conventional we need a high-powered offense or we need – to have a suffocating defense that is going to hold opponents down. I mean, Denver just beat that team last week in the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I thought that defense could carry them no matter who's under center. And that was proven wrong last week. So it it just seems to be, if you're going to have a year where you're winning in odd ways, this is the year to do it.
1: Talking to Evan Washburn, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn, your crew for Sunday, 11 a.m. on CBS Broncos and the Texans. There in Houston. Evan, you're a you know, longtime sideline guy, CBS, doing the NFL, uh, doing the NCAA tournaments and your particular I don't know if industry is the right word position, whatever it is, uh, came under a lot of scrutiny recently with the comments of Carissa Thompson. And I'm not asking you to throw a colleague under the bus or anything else like that, but your job As a sideline reporter and my partner, Andy Lindahl, you know, sideline reporter long time for the Broncos does the buffs now on radio. You know, we talk an awful lot about this, the the pursuit of access, the pursuit of information on the sideline. It's changed. It's evolved over the years. It's gotten more buttoned down. It's a tough job to do you're the, you're the industry standard. I mean, you're the best in the business, Evan. So you, you tell us when it comes to that point of either grabbing a coach for comment or trying (laughs) to get injury information or get something to add to the broadcast, um, where, where do you even like put your focus to try and do that? Because there is nothing easy about that job.
2: Well, look, I appreciate um, the compliment and I I take it all really seriously. And the way I would best describe it is over the course of now it's my 10th season, I've come up with my style of doing the job. And I think that's the cool thing, much like calling games in the booth as a play-by-play announcer or being an analyst, everybody's got to be who they are and come up with their version of the job because everybody's different. So That takes time, and then when it comes to the specific mechanics to, as you pointed out, grabbing a coach at halftime, trying to get some piece of information, context from that coach, and then the injury piece to it, those, again, you have to learn your style and what you think is most valuable. What I've found most valuable is, specific to the coach situation, is be as efficient as possible, because you are the last thing they want to be doing at that point, so the fact that they're choosing or allowing you to run in with them or come out with them and get some sort of comment, you have to be quick and to the point and realize that, yes, sometimes it's not going to be the best, most thoughtful comment, but anything in my opinion is worthwhile. It doesn't mean you have to report it, but it's worthwhile getting something. So that's kind of the, the most basic aspect to it. And then there's also the cost benefit analysis where you have to realize, for example, I had the Steelers for three straight weeks, and I need to be respectful of Mike Tomlin's time, not just at halftime, but in pregame, in the week leading up, or the days leading up to the game. So it's just it kind of all is part of the sauce from my perspective. It's the relationship side. They need to know that when you're coming up to them in these really emotional, hot-button times of a game to ask them a question, that – you're not going to be looking to get them in some way that it's a human interaction. And I think that only comes over experience and just being really diligent about the respect and human side of it. And then the injury piece I found, it comes down to observation because the team is required to report if a player is unavailable and they're going to 95% of the time say a guy's questionable. So it's on you to be more active in trying to get, a sense of, all right, well, he might be questionable, but he doesn't have a shoe on and he's got ice on his ankle. He's not going back in that game. And I feel comfortable saying that with the caveat that the team has listed him as questionable. So those are kind of, again, stylistic sides to the job that over the course of time I've developed and you just sort of feel comfortable with. And it's the exciting part of the job because you have no idea what's going to happen on a Sunday or whenever you're doing a game and you are going to interact with some of the most, Uh, highly charged and competitive people at some of the biggest moments uh, of their professional careers. And that can be at times challenging and can get contentious. But I always say if if a guy's angry with me, happy with me, or uh, emotionally sad, if you will, uh, if the viewer gets a perspective of that, then we're doing our job.
0: Well, and, and I guess that's what's frustrating for me, just doing it on the radio side. And look, I will I will tell you, Evan, I did not get to talk to Coach Prime this year. He had his guy. He's a powerful figure up there. You know, there's there's some situations where you run across and you just live with what is allowed to, to happen. And with that, sure. I mean, look, yeah. I didn't get to talk to Carl Durrell either. That was just how he preferred it. But what I didn't like is this led to, it's like all about the interview and and that the job is important, right? Like, I, I heard some people saying, well, maybe we don't even need him. We don't care about the interview anyway. And to your point, 90% of what we get is not all that interesting. But when you get somebody caught in an emotion, I remember when I always tell people about Mel Tucker coming out there down by three touchdowns at the half in Nebraska. He looks me dead in the eye and screams, do you need me? To the point where I almost wanted to just say no because you're pretty hacked off right now. But he gave me one of the best interviews we ever had at the half, right? But yeah. but the job is still important because of the things that you see. I don't want to see the job go away in the co- in cost cutting savings because of other things you see down there,
2: right? No doubt. And and look, I, I've I've said this before. I think if you if you embrace it, the physical nature of the job, where I, I, and it's one of the things I love about it as a former athlete is you should be in constant motion, in constant. Sort of, I mean, your brain should hurt at the end of the game because you're constantly searching for something. And that's not to say that you're going to push to get things on air that aren't worthwhile, because that—that's my biggest pet peeve—is—is is somebody trying to get on air just to get on air, because that doesn't service the viewer. But as a sideline reporter, you—you you do offer things that I think the viewer if they didn't get them, they might still enjoy the game. But when they get them and they get the context and the guys out of the game and they're like, Man, where is player X? And it's like, I haven't seen it for three series. And the guys up in the booth, if the team, and again, they, they don't have to announce it at any haste. I mean, they eventually have to say something, but you also have to push them at times. So again, it, it's one of those things where I get how people can, Fans can just think, oh, we, you know, it's not that big a deal because, yeah, at times it isn't that big a deal. There's a there'll be a stretch probably Sunday where I'm not involved in the broadcast for it could be up to two quarters, quarter and a half. And so just on the surface there, it's like, well, you know, what's the point? But then there could be a moment in the third quarter. It's like insurance. You don't want to have it until you need it. And and that's kind of how I view it. And you have to as a reporter and you uh, hopefully you understand this, too. You have to ha- have a strong enough ego and self confidence that I don't need to be heard or seen to know to know my value. And uh, it takes a while to get to that point, but at least that's where I am with it.
1: Evan, um, you don't have to name any names, but do you? Uh, do you have like a top of the list story for getting uh, either chewed out by or snipped at by <laughs> a guy at a particularly tough moment in football or basketball or in any walk of your career?
2: I'm trying to think. I mean, so my my situation, at least with the NFL, is different than Andy's because. 95% of the time, my conversations are off camera at halftime. So <laughs> that can actually lend to a more. But they, they actually, actually do happen, right, Evan? Yeah. Okay, What's good. That?
1: good. All okay. the conversations off camera, yeah, they do right. happen, right? I got you. Well yeah. done. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, I'm trying to, I mean, like, I've had some situations. But again, I, I think I'm so aware of where I've had playoff games where the score's been lopsided, and that's where you really get down to it. I haven't. And I'm not dodging it. I haven't really had one where it's gotten contentious or it's been like you know. I just know after the first answer of Coach whoever, if it's like oh he, he he's he's in a different place for good reason because they're either it's things are going south uh, in a big way, then I'm I'm not going to belabor it because again that goes back to you're going to see and work with this person as. Mm-hmm soon as next week or down the line and everybody remembers how they're treated uh, as we do. So again, it, it's, there's so much nuance to it. And, and I don't need to tell you guys this, but um, because you, you, you do the job in some ways, uh, but I think that gets lost in it. It's not, it's not as cut and dry. It's not all laid out for you. You really have to kind of ma- manage it uh, over the course of a season and a career.
1: All right, Evan, last thing, and again, Evan Washburn, nice enough to give us some time today and really talk insight uh into the the art, so to speak, of sideline reporting. Um, Evan, power rank the following Delaware Blue Hens. I'll go oh, Rich Gannon, Joe Flacco, Elena Deladon, Evan Washburn. Go. And John Grant Ooh. Jr.
0: Now hold on yeah. now. John uh, Grant Jr. There we
1: go. Now, there's my guy.
2: All right, well, Junior's one. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I'll put Flacco, too, because I Back got to the know league. him pretty well uh, as as a uh, Baltimore Raven. He was my class at Delaware. Didn't know him much uh, in Newark. We didn't travel in the same circles. He was uh, keeping himself in much better condition both on and off the field than I was. Um, and then I will go Deladon because she's one of the best uh, basketball players in general of all time. And she tore it up, I think played volleyball too, in Newark, which was pretty cool. And then look, Gannon's at the bottom of this list for no reason, or he's second to last cause I'm definitely last uh, no reason other than uh, it's a tough, it's a tough group to crack, but um, man, I could next time I'm on, let's just do junior stories. Cause that's where I will feel a little bit more open <laughs> than maybe um, naming names about coaches and stuff.
0: <laughs> hey, real quick. Did you ever, did he, I just talked to uh, Zed Williams, so for the, we got to let everybody right. in. Uh, I do the voice. I do Colorado Mammoth games, and I've gotten to know Zed. Yeah. Zed's an awesome guy. We're talking a little lacrosse for those out there because Evan played at Delaware. Did Junior fiddle with his throwing strings as much when he was in college as he does? Like, because I'll tell you what, during a game when I used to get a call his games, and I was color then. I'm play by play now, so you know, a color you can watch a few more things. But if I sure. saw junior starting to untie and retie the strings at the top of the stick for everybody, I knew that his head was probably in a bad place. Did he mess with those things in college as much as he did in the pros?
2: So I, I imagine he did. Cause he's a, he's an artist that way. I mean, he's, he's so particular and his level of detail and the way he played the game is is next level, but I didn't play with him. So he's a, uh, he was at 99, I guess was his, I don't know. I started in three. But the legendary junior story I'll give you has nothing to do with uh, manipulating his, his pocket or his string. He was banged up into to the point where they were just saving him for games. So at practice, allegedly, now junior's probably going to hear this and say <laughs> that didn't happen, but um, I feel okay passing this along, that he wouldn't bring his stick out to practice. He would bring out his pitching wedge and – uh, chip on the side during practice on our AstroTurf field there in Newark, and because he had reached uh, junior status, and, and that's a form of goat status in, in our world, um, that was uh, that was passable. So it just it just built the legend of John Grant Jr. that my man was uh, chipping and maybe <laughs> bringing a putter out as well as uh, the rest of the team was grinding in those um, March days in Delaware.
0: He did tell us one time on an interview here his last game before it was one of the last seasons with the Outlaws. Some kid called him old man in the trash talk, and and we'll just say the rest of the day did not go well for that young man. So don't call him old man when you see him, Evan.
2: You set him off. It was so I was so fun calling his game, too because you would just see it like he'd be so banged up. He'd, you know he had so many knee and everything issues and. But then the wrong defender, you know, I would think Mike Manley back in the day might cross check him in the hip or something. And it was, you just, it was, you poked the bear. He was the ultimate don't poke the bear kind of guy because then all of a sudden you got 10, 10 drops on your head.
1: Hell yeah. John Grant <laughs> Jr. stories for us He's right such there. Such a beast. <laughs> Evan Washburn, everybody. Uh, Iron Eagle, Charles Davis, Evan Washburn. That's your crew for Broncos Texans coming up on Sunday. Evan, man, that was fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, good times. Talk to you guys down the road. All right, Evan Washburn. And by the way, I do like when he talked about
0: the physical part of the job. I mm. used to see him. He he could run in in whatever the the nice shoes, yeah. the dress shoes. He could pull off a pretty good forty time because again, as a national guy, mm-hmm. you know I'd see him by the Broncos sideline a lot, and especially during the era where we cross paths, obviously with Manning and the guys, they were over there telling the Broncos story quite a bit. But if there is an injury or something. I'd seen him a few times go full forty yard dash he to the move. other side to see what was going on with the injury. Well, you know you got to get to him before they get to the locker sure. room. Sure. You know what was the worst about giving you, or at least was, were the San Diego Chargers. There was one time, I think it was Keenan Allen or maybe our guy Vincent Jackson got hurt. Okay. And so you know, in the headset, AJ is like, "Go see what's wrong with him." You know, local guy, whatever. Dude, I made it to the 10. Like, I walked from the Broncos side around. I, I remember it was on the north side of the field, so everybody can imagine it. Got to the Chargers sideline. I got to the 10, and the guy had met me there. Like, he's like, what do you need, Chief? And I'm like, whoa, really? Chief, huh? I'm even going to get a Chief out of you. I just want to know if Vincent Jackson's okay. We don't give injury reports to you guys. All right, cool.
1: Hey, I didn't know. Ten-yard line. I didn't know that Dean Spanos uh, paid for sideline personnel, so that's good to hear. I had, like, the smallest little Bronco logo on my coat, and that was it. I was like, wow, eagle eyes here. (laughs) How far were you watching me at the ten? That was a fun conversation with Evan Washburn. I like that. Do you think he's a friend of the program? I I think he's considering it. Okay. not sure he liked the joke.
0: (laughs) He picked up (laughs) on what you were saying. Thanks for having me on, guys. He didn't good need luck. you. He didn't need you to he didn't need you to reinforce. He's like, I got it. I know what you're
1: saying. I mean it was, I got the double entendre. Thank you. It was right there. I know. I know. You know me, Andy. I don't I I, I gotta swing at the meatball when it's hanging over the middle know, of the plate. Know. You know me. Yeah. It's Craigman and Lindahl. Thanks again to Evan Washburn. We enjoyed that Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would like to take on a textman who is challenging me. Text Altitude Sports Radio 925. 504 925 Or you can jump on the Shop Mazda text line. Shop Mazda. One price, one person, one hour. Craigman and Lindall, we're kicking it with you here on a Wednesday afternoon on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. So, Broncos back to work today in preparation for the Texans. They have won five in a row. They're the hottest team in the NFL, I guess, tied with the Philadelphia Eagles. Although, can you call a 10-1 team hot? Don't they just win all the time? Especially when they were in the Super Bowl last year.
0: Yeah. It just kind of feels like they're good. You don't get to be hot. Uh... Are you buying? So we keep talking about everybody wants to talk about how the Broncos turnovers. It probably is not sustainable.
1: I don't disagree with that. Okay. But I also will say, yeah, you're not going to go plus 14 on a five game stretch all the time, all
0: the time, but you are playing a lot of teams to turn the ball over. So that you're just too. getting them to do what the stats say they do. That's right?
1: true. And if you face a
0: team that doesn't, you're probably going to be in trouble. Um, look, the Broncos if forced to do play a certain way. They're going to have probably turn the ball over too. The Eagles constantly coming back in the second half. I forgot the number I heard this morning, but they're on like some great streak of coming back when down at the half. Mm-hmm. Is that
1: sustainable? Yeah, that's where you start to run into into problems right there. I mean, the funny thing about the Eagles is, yes, ten and one best record in the NFL. They're they and again, this the stat isn't everything. Their point differential is ninety eight less than Dallas's. The Cowboys are plus 162. The Eagles at 10 and one are plus 64. That's only the third best point differential in the entire NFC at the moment. And so that's, 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 what's kind of funny about all of this is like the Eagles jump, just keep squeezing out close games. Now there's something to be said for good execution down the stretch and being able to win games, all those kinds of things. But like. You know, if, if Josh Allen plays the kind of game that he did last week against the Eagles, Josh Allen against almost any other team in football, he's going to win. Like it was wild that Aim that back was twice himself. Exactly. Like he accounts for five touchdowns on his own, has an MVP game. Um, that you know what what he did in that game was absolutely incredible, and yet the Eagles were able to pull it out. It's a great question. How sustainable is it? Now it seems like the bye did Jalen Hurts some good. He looked fresh the other day, and that and that was that. That's something to kind of keep an eye on right there. Um, but yeah, like if, if you're just looking at who are the most dominant teams in the NFL, it's it's the Niners, it's the Cowboys, and it's Baltimore. Those are the most dominant teams in the NFL right now. And you would look at it over the big sample size and be like, well, those got to be the best teams in the NFL. And that, I would certainly put those all three of those teams. I would put on the list of teams that can win the Super Bowl. Um by the way, how many teams do you think would, would you put on your list of, like, this team can win the Super Bowl this year?
0: Um, Boy, that's a great question, Nate, because the whole league is so weird. The Niners, the Eagles, the Chiefs are still top of the pile for me. Yeah. If Buffalo, there's a part of me, and I've said it before, there's a part of me that wonders, and, and I really would have been more convicted about this, feeling more convicted about or conviction about this had they won last week. Buffalo to me, like people forget the Broncos first Super Bowl, everything started out rosy mm-hmm. and then they hit some turmoil. They they got blown out by San Francisco. They lost a tough one that cost them home field advantage in Pittsburgh. Yeah. The Chiefs were actually thirteen and three that year and they had to go in and go into their house of horrors and everybody thought that after the Jacksonville win it was going to be one and done because they never win an arrowhead, even with LA and all that. Part of me wonders if we're not going to see that kind of story for Buffalo this year. Remember, when I was thinking about this is I, is it looked like Buffalo might win that game the other night. Remember when the Ravens won, they switched OCs and went to Jim Caldwell mm-hmm. late in the year that they came in and unfortunately beat the Broncos. And it took a couple of games, but then they got rolling. And as we all know too well here, yeah. they didn't stop. So I wouldn't be shocked
1: if somehow Buffalo gets this thing right Gets that division and wins. The one thing that the Bills have going against them is by several metrics, they have the toughest schedule in right. the NFL the rest of the way. So they get a buy right here, which get healthy, fellas, at KC, home against Dallas. If if they go if they go one and one in those two games, which you probably do, right, they would have to win all of their last three games and that would get him a 10 and seven at the chargers home against new England, which you would say that's a cupcake, but the Patriots already beat him this year. And then in Miami uh, in week 18.
0: So here's what I think is interesting. Let me ask you about two teams that are, that are sexy because of their offenses, but I'm not quite sure I feel about them yet. It's Dallas and Miami. Mm -hmm. They should be in the conversation, but I feel like every time one of them's brought up, people are quick to show you that. And see, we already got the text. Cowboys have been feasting on lesser teams. Frankly, so has Miami. I just told you the funny thing about it was Miami apparently hadn't beat a winning team until Denver got its record right. Right. And now they've got a win against a winning team, but Denver was certainly not a winning team when they actually beat them. Right. They were a mess. Mm -hmm. And so, do you believe the competition? Like, again, Dallas feels to me like the team that it's the Eagles and Niners this weekend, right? I wish... I, like, I feel like the big boys aren't quite playing each other this year because there's some surprise big boys and, like, the Bengals. Bengals aren't what we thought they were going to be. Joe Burrow's hurt. You know, he's out. Uh, the Jets weren't what anybody thought they were going to be. So I don't know, man. I, I do feel like this is wide open as far as teams getting in the playoffs. I still think the Niners and, and Eagles are a huge problem for anybody. You tell me, who else – I guess Baltimore is a huge
1: problem along with K, uh, KC in the AFC. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you three teams in the NFC: uh, Niners, Eagles, Cowboys. That's okay. it. Okay. That's it. No, but see, the Cowboys gotta
0: beat some people in this current run to make me buy in. Yeah, but they're they're winning
1: every game by I, three touchdowns. I know, Nate, but they do this every year, and then they go blow it out in the first in the divisional round. Um, they got Seattle at home this week. Philadelphia at home. Um, they've already lost to the Eagles once this year. At Buffalo, at Miami, and home against Detroit. Cowboy schedule is about to get very real here down the stretch. Um, but uh, I have to put the Cowboys in the conversation. They're just they're they're too good. You trust Mike McCarthy? No. No, <laughs> no, 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 no no, 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 Dak no, no, Crescott. no, no, um, no. I do trust Dak. I do. I I do. He says Do you with trust some conviction, Dak or Josh <laughs> Allen more? Uh, certainly, Josh Allen. All right, yeah, without without a doubt, no. J- okay. Josh Allen's a top three quarterback in football. In the AFC, Baltimore, Kansas City, no doubters. Kansas City because they're obviously because of Mahomes and D- and their defense and Andy Reid. Can I squeeze Miami into that conversation? That Jalen Phillips injury. I mean, that's that. That's arguably a eh, top two defensive player on that team that you're taking on. I guess they do have JPP. Jacksonville. Okay.
0: I'm glad you brought them up real mm-hmm. quick. Lucas mm-hmm. just texted in with the Lions. The yeah. Lions and Jaguars are the same kind of team to me. they are enjoying Lions, some success. That
1: Lions defense stinks.
0: Yeah. You, yeah. You're going to have to prove it to me come playoff time. Yeah. You're a fun story. Yeah. I'm enjoying you. I'm mm-hmm. not a hater. But we've seen a lot of teams. There's always a team some year that looks so good in the
1: regular season. And when the playoffs show up, they ain't ready yet. I watched the Jordan Love Packers. And and I give Jordan Love credit. He played really well in that game. But they sashayed up and down the field against those dudes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. again, your history, I can't get away from your history.
1: Right. Right. So And Jacksonville's been a weird team this year. Lions Lions offense is legit. I, I won't take anything away from what they are offensively. Defensively, I just I I don't know if you're ready to to win cold weather football. And and especially because you're gonna have to go on the road. So that that's that's where I can't put them in the conversation. Um I would say I've five teams. The three in the NFC that I mentioned, Kansas City and Baltimore, and I'll give an honorable mention nod to Miami. Maybe it's only because of Vic Fangio. It's Craigman and Lindahl.